everybody. Welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall. Today, we're working our way through the track sessions that the Bonhoeffer Project gave at last year's National Disciple Making Forum. Today, we've got Cindy Perkins and Carmelita Boyce talking to us about how we can't forget about our own souls. As we're discipling others, many of us lose sight of the needs of our own souls, and we need to be reminded to put on our own oxygen masks before we try to help others put theirs on. Cindy and Carmelita help us take a strong look at how to put the important things before all the urgent things. And if you're somebody that's pouring out your life consistently to other people, whether you're a church leader or you're just working regular jobs and also discipling people, you're going to find yourself exhausted and depleted. This is a great reminder that we've got to make this an important thing to do on the to-do list as well. All right, let's jump in and hear from Cindy and Carmelita. Enjoy the episode, everyone. Uh, welcome. Glad you guys are here. My name is Dan. Uh, blessed to be one of the team members for Bonhoeffer Project. Um, today you're going to be hearing from two of the ladies in our, uh, in our, in our team that are near and dear to my heart. Uh, one, Cindy Perkins, she's our chief operations officer. She basically runs the show. Um, and I get to be the figurehead, right? I've got the face for radio, so I get to do that. And then Carmelita Boyce, she's our director of women. And again, these, they both, they all serve on the national leadership team with us and just excited to hear what they have to share with us today about what the Lord's doing and how we can get the care that we need. Who's going first? Cindy Perkins, everyone. Well, welcome. Um, I, so here's the real. I was hoping the room wouldn't be full. Is that, did you pray that? Because it seemed to have worked. Well, I, I don't know. So I always ask God, would you put the people in the space that are supposed to be in the space to do the business that we're going to do today? And so you guys are the ones. Uh, we're we're going to talk about you today. That's really what's happening. Our, the title of our talk is Refresh and Reset. And sometimes as leaders, we forget that. We forget to take care of our own souls. And I feel like it's that, that whole idea of I get on a plane and the first thing they say is if the mask falls down, what do you do? Put your own mask on first before you help anybody else because if you're out of oxygen, you're going to be no help to anybody else. So we're going to fill you up with a little bit of oxygen today. Right? We're going to do some things that, that are going to hopefully just have you leave here. I, I know when I get to the end of a conference like this, how many of you just want to sleep in your own bed? <laughs> right? And not have anybody talk to you maybe? Or not have one more piece of information roll in because my brain is full to the overflow? Right? And so this is a debrief for you. And so I want you to go away just filled up in a different way. Okay? So can we pray? Can we start with prayer? Father God, we just come to you and we thank you. Lord, I thank you for every person that you have put in this room because, Lord, I know they're here because they need to hear a new, fresh word from you. God, I ask that you would help us to think about the things that are causing us to not feel filled up with our in our souls and that you would show us the things that we need to move so that we can learn and remember how to sit in your presence. Because, Lord, it's there 
that the real work happens. Thank you, God, for every person that you've put here and may our time together just bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want us to talk about the problem. Um, our, our personality, we talked in the last session a little bit about personalities and how that fuels us and feeds us and causes us to do things. Jim Thomas says he's a, D, uh, he's a CD. He's got to make sure everything's right. And then if it's not, he gets frustrated. Well, I'm a DC, so I'm just ready to roll. And if it's wrong, we'll figure it out later. But it, I have to remember, again, like he does, that there are people in the room. And so your personality causes you sometimes to get going. A person who's a D personality, you never stop. You never slow down long enough to think about, God sends me friends who understand the slow life. And so as I have begun to understand that as a leader, I realize that part of what we have to figure out is what's happening that makes me think I need to go 90 to nothing. Right. And then I fall in the bed at night and then I get up tomorrow and I do the same thing. Sometimes I don't even have time to think. I always have my quiet time because that's the piece that centers me. But then as soon as it's done, let's go. Right. And so we look at this and as as Carmelita and I were talking about what is that refreshing piece one of the pieces and we, we read this in our the book that we use in our cohorts uh, by Brandon Cook called Learning to Live and Love Like Jesus. You know, Jesus wasn't really in a hurry. There was a lot going on in his world, but he wasn't really in a hurry. And so we look at this and we think, okay, the important transfers past the urgent. Well, I said that backwards. What's important in your life? What's important to you? Yeah. I'm, I'm an interactive speaker. Family. Family. Who else? What else important? God. God. All right. What else? Church. Church. Okay. What else? Using my gifts to help others. Okay. That's important. Right? Friends. Friends. All of these are great pieces. Now, what is, uh, tell me what you think is urgent in your life right now? Hmm. The to-do list. The to-do list. How long is yours? Three long. Three pages, four pages. I tell people it's as long as my arm. And I got pretty long arms, right? What else? Addicted son. An addicted son. Yeah. That produces an urgency, doesn't it? <clears throat> that produces a real urgency. And sometimes those urgent things can overtake the important things. Right? I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. So, what's pressing in your ministry? What's pressing in today? Church vitality. Church vitality. Okay. Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Sunday's always coming, isn't it? It never stops. The day it stops will be with Jesus. That's when, that's when Sunday's not going to be urgent. What else? Your time is short. I runway. I heard some. I have a friend who says my runway is short. I'm like, my runway gets shorter every day. So that creates an urgency for us, right? What else? Christmas. Christmas, Christmas is coming. <laughs> How many days? Anybody know? Ten Mondays. <laughs> Ten more Mondays. Did that make anybody go <laughs> right? 
But that's the truth. Those are the things, right? When I'm looking at my ministry, like I, I am in leadership in this ministry, uh, budget is pressing, right? Um, shortage of staff and volunteers pressing, right? There's, there's all of that. Um, what am I going to do when the funerals come? Have I built enough margin into my life when somebody calls and says, this happened to us recently, my sister's dying, could you come? Right, can you come be with us? Well, all of a sudden, that's urgent over top of everything else that's happening. And if I hadn't built in some space in my life, there wouldn't be opportunity for me to go and be with that family in that place. Right, so we look at that in our ministry. We think about that. Uh, how about coffees and staff meetings? And right, how many of you have recently missed a staff meeting on purpose? <laughs> I know. I heard the, I heard the air stuck in the room. On purpose? Yes, on purpose. Because sometimes you just have to, right? So you're, you're talking mainly the staff or or pastors. I'm just a lay person. Okay. For me, it's where do I fit in ministry? I've got all these ministry ideas, but then I've got to right? slot these things into my business, into my family. Right. That is correct. Day. So your day becomes even more difficult because when you're on a church staff, you can't adjust your time. Yeah. This right. is what I tell the folks that I, I am a lay person in the church now. I was on staff for 27 years, over 20 years, and part of key volunteer for seven years before that, right? But now I'm, I'm a lay person and I have two jobs and a husband and some children. And as of last week, my second great-grandchild. And so, right, that's important. Yeah, great-grandchild. There's a story. I'm from West Virginia, we'll just go there. <laughs> I understand. terms of it's 930 at night, guy calls you, he's got an emergency. Yeah. That's ministry. Yes. Am yeah. I getting out of bed or not? Yeah. And I and that's I have to be to work in the morning <laughs> at 7 a.m. Yeah. Because that's how it works, right? So we have to determine what's important and what's urgent. And am I allowing that urgent to overpower? Because we've got what's pressing in ministry, but what's pressing in your personal life? If you don't cut the grass, the HOA is calling, right? We get the letter. Come on, cut your grass. Come on, need your lawn, <laughs> right? I mean, you have all of that. What else? What else is urgent in your family, in your personal life? Cooking and grocery shopping. Cooking, grocery shopping. Kids got to get to this. Kids got to get to that. I need to pick somebody up at the airport. Like, you don't want to leave them stranded at the airport, but goodness, how many things can I do in my world, right? And so it all becomes urgent. What about your job, right? There's urgent things in your job. I got this deadline, this deadline, this deadline today. And that, that's just for me today while I'm at the conference. And I'm like, can you people not understand? I am at a conference. I am not in a place to do that. Now, we need that today. I'm like, Okay, so what am I going to do? Where am I going to adjust that? And so we, we roll that stuff up, and then what happens is we begin to isolate. Because I'm like, okay, i got to get this. i got to get this done. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. When was the last time any of you had fun? 
How many of us have forgotten what fun is? Did, did I tap it? I hit it, didn't I? Uh, somebody asked me, I recently turned old. <laughs> I recently turned 65. So officially, uh, according to all standards, I'm old. So they said, what do you want to do for your birthday? What's fun? My friends over here, what's fun? It took me three weeks to figure out what could be fun in my life. Because I did not. I did not. So I went to a, I went to a museum and took a boat ride. Those were fun. Um, but, but we have to stop and make ourselves think about that because is it important for us to have fun? Yes. Scripture says laughter does the body good like medicine. We've got to be intentional about doing that. Charles Hummel, back in the 80s, wrote a book, 70s, I think, Your greatest, it's called Tyranny of the Urgent. And your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the important. I think that is probably one of the most quoted uh, pieces that I've ever used because when you give in to the tyranny of the urgent, you no longer have time for the important things. And so let's roll back to what we were talking about with the important things, right? We have in our minds the understanding of what's important. It's important for us to spend time with God, right? We know that. It's important for us to love our families and others well. We know that. It's important for us to care for our own souls. But the stuff of life gets in the way. It's important for us to be in community with other people. Because if we're not in community and we get isolated, we are targets. I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, do you guys watch the National Geographic stuff? We actually got to see this in person. Um, I was in Africa on a mission trip in Rwanda, and, and then we were headed to... Um, well, we were in Tanzania and then headed to Rwanda. And in between, we got the opportunity to do a uh, photo safari. And we saw a lion separate a wildebeest from the herd. Once the lion has separated the wildebeest, the wildebeest is lunch. And that's how our enemy, when Scripture describes that, right, he's like a lion roaring, seeking to devour and he wants to devour us. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to begin to think about it. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but we may talk about that in a little bit. I want you to begin to think about who are you allowing in your life so that you won't be isolated, right? How are you doing in that isolated place? Because I will tell you that as I minister leaders and coach leaders across the country, across the world, isolation is the number one killer of ministry. It's the number one killer of the soul because it takes us to a place where we feel like we're alone, where we feel like we're the only ones. Nobody else understands because they're not in my place. But guess what? They do understand. Right? Is it you coming next? What's a leader to do? Right? Because we're all leaders, whether you're a leader in the church, whether you're a leader in your family, uh, you're all leaders, every one of us. So, here's another quote from Hummel. But the root of all sin is self-sufficiency, independence from the rule of God. When we fail to wait prayerfully for God's guidance and strength, we're saying with our actions, if not with our words, that we do not need Him. How much of our service 
is actually going it alone. Do we need God? Desperately. Desperately. Every day we need God. And so I want us to, to begin to think about how, how have we isolated ourselves? Who is it that we're allowing to hold us accountable in this place? All right. Carmelita is going to talk to us about some, some pieces that we're missing. So all of those things are very stressful. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I find all of that stuff very stressful, trying to figure out how I'm going to take care of my family. I, I have uh, my husband and uh, my sons. Um, my sons are older now, but I, my mom lives with us, and so that's a whole another piece that is not something that I ever expected or planned for, but is here and is a blessing, but also presents some challenges and requires some time of going to doctor's appointments and making sure she ta eats and takes her medications and all of those things, right? And it becomes to get stressful because I have to go and do this meeting, but mom needs to make, I need to make sure she has something to eat or I need to go and make sure we have groceries in the house so she has to eat. So it's a lot of stress that comes on. And one of our, our natural responses to stress is one of three things. We either fight. Um, Cindy is more of a fighter than I am. She's like, let's put on boxing gloves, let's go. Uh, <laughs> I will fight in some places. There's, there's certain things, but not all of them. Uh, fl flight, so we run away from whatever, whatever it is. We just kind of run away. Or we freeze. I tend to freeze. I, there's a Bitmoji. You guys know Bitmoji? Then there's a Bitmoji that has you in your bed with your blankets over your head. Current mood. I use that often. <laughs> Current mood, just in my bed with my covers over my head. So fight, flight, or flee, freeze are natural responses to stress. Let's talk about leadership responses to stress. Some leaders, they just plow through. They're like, okay, I got everything. I still need to do the thing. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep going. I can do that for some things. I don't do that for all things. This one is my favorite. Like, that's just denial. I'm just going to go stick my head in the sand somewhere, and I'm not going to think about it. It's not really happening. Maybe when I, I bring my head out, everything will be all better, right? Delegate. And delegation, let me clear up. Delegation is really good, but when we're stressed out, a lot of times we do it very poorly. We just hand off the mess to somebody else and we walk away and we don't look back and they're like, I'm stuck with this mess. So there's a way to delegate that's very healthy, but there's a way to delegate that's very, very unhealthy and detrimental for the people that we give, hand that off to. Then there's the I quit. And as ministry leaders, having been through the last two or three years, there's a lot of ministry leaders, you probably know some that have just and by quit, I mean, they're not just like, I quit, I'm just going to go hide in my bed. They are, I'm walking out of ministry, I'm walking away from the church, I may even be walking away from God. I quit. And so, these are the leadership responses to that. Um, and those can, are detrimental to us all. And so our soul needs to be grounded somewhere. Now, when I say our soul needs to be grounded, a lot of times we think about, okay, I'm doing the things. I am going to church. I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm doing the spiritual, whatever spiritual disciplines or habits you think are important, you're doing them. But still, your soul feels adrift. And so I, 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 we, I looked up and I said, um, so with, this is a question, which one do you tend to uh, go towards? And sometimes that's so weekly or daily, which one do I tend to go towards, right? Fight, flight, uh, freeze, or push through, delegate, deny, quit. 
which one do I tend to go to? Um, when I get to this, the signs of your soul address, I started reading through this list. And I'm going to read a couple of those things. Like, I'm not going to read them off of here. Um, scattered, bereft, detached, unsorted, unsettled, discombobulated, which is just my favorite word in the whole list. Um, lack of motiv motivation, trouble sleeping, irritability, fatigue, hopelessness, absent-mindedness, apathy, um, nervousness, difficulty concentrating, irrational anger, cynicism or pessimism increased, sense of dread, depression. You don't feel rested when you wake up. You dream, daydream about having a different life or job, body aches, feeling disconnected from life, intense emotions. You suffer from frequent loneliness. Um, you might have some anxiety. You dread going to work every day when you're doing God's work. You lack joy and find difficulty finding happiness or doing, you find the things that you used to find be happy doing or find happiness in doing are no longer a place of happiness and joy for you. And I read through this list and I'm just gonna be honest and transparent. I read through this list and I said to Cindy, um, yeah, I probably was there sometime this year um, because it's been a hard two years. If you've been in any kind of ministry in the last two years, it's been a difficult two years. We've dealt with everything. And my, I, I spent, in 2020, that summer, I spent six weeks every other day having a very emotional, intense racial conversation with somebody. Some of them were, hey, my family, I can't believe they talk like this. I can't believe they do this. I can't believe we, I grew up like this. Others were like, I can't believe that person said that on social media. I'm like, why are you on social media that much? Like that was my simple fix. But the heart issue was, I don't know if I can trust to bring my kids to this, to this church to be in the children's ministry anymore. I don't know if I can trust that when I sit next to this person in church anymore, how they're going to react towards me. And I'm just like, that was intense six weeks, but it's been an intense two or three years. And some of us as ministry leaders are tired. And our souls are very far from where they should be in doing ministry. And so we look at these lists and we're like, these are all the things that are going on. I'm going to send it back over to Cindy to talk about the solution right here. So one of the things that we look at, um, Carlita and I have spent a good deal of time studying the levels in our country, in our world, the levels of depression, the levels of anxiety, the uh, level of suicide in this country and, and addiction. It is, all, uh, it is all a product of, I believe, a lack of discipleship. I think, honestly, that this is where discipleship, where the rubber meets the road. Because I believe if we have a right understanding of who God is, and we understand how to engage with him in that place, we, uh, we can help in that place. Do I think it's the whole answer? I think it's the answer. I just think we have to be, um, we have to help folks. We just have to figure out how to help folks. Now, I'm going to put a quote up here. And I know it's long, and it breaks all the rules of PowerPoint. Every last one. Every last one of them. Teach to our students. She was making the slides, and she said these are really long. 
<laughs> you sure you want to do this? I said, yes, because I'm a visual learner, and I, I would want to be able to read this for myself because there are some words. I love A.W. Tozer. I believe God spoke to that man in a, in a very profound way when he was alive, and he wrote a lot of that down. Um, one of my favorite books of his is Knowledge of the Holy. Because in the knowledge of the holy, I get to understand really who God is. It is the best discipleship book to help people through um, understanding the character of God. So here go the words. I'm going to read it to you for those of you who are auditory. Uh, but I, I want you to be able to see it. He says, how completely satisfying to turn from our limitations, and we all have them, by the way, to a God who has none, eternal years lie in his heart. For him, time does not pass. It remains. And those who are in Christ share with him all the riches of limitless time and endless years. God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and relax our nerves. Now, I want to stop there for a minute. Our nerves are frayed and on edge. How often do you hear somebody reply to you out of, or do you reply to somebody else out of character for you? You're a normally loving human being, or they're a normally loving human being, and now they've replied to you in a way that doesn't exhibit Christ. Our nerves are frayed, right? For the new creation, time crouches and purrs and licks their hands. The foe of the old human race becomes the friend of the new, and the stars in their courses fight for the man God delights to honor. This we may learn from the divine infinitude, but there is more. God's gifts in nature have their limitations. They are finite because they have been created but the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus is as limitless as God. The Christian man possesses God's own life and shares his infinitude with him. In God, there is life enough for all. We who live in this nervous age, okay, here's the answer, would be wise to meditate on our lives and our days long and often before the face of God and on the edge of eternity. We are made for eternity as certainly as we are made for time. And as responsible moral beings, we must deal with both. And so the solution comes when we say, remember who God is, right? God is God and I am not. I need to stop trying to take his job. It is not my responsibility for the outcome for the people that I minister to. It is my, I am responsible to them not for them. I am not responsible for your response. I am responsible to lead you to a place of response, and then it's between you and God. That takes a whole lot of pressure off us as leaders, as parents. I am not responsible for my children who are grown-ups. I'm responsible to them to continue to show them a mom who loves them but loves Jesus more. Right, And if I remember who God is, God is sovereign. And we don't use that word enough in Christianity, but God is sovereign. He is over all things. Nothing happens in the life of a believer that he doesn't know about and hasn't allowed. Let that sit. 
When we lose someone that we love, God has allowed that. As a matter of fact, God sets our days. When we begin to get that mindset that God is in charge and I am not, I can relax. I can begin to sit in who he is and what he does. Right? God does not need me. God wants me. Right? Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is mighty to save. He takes great delight in me. Think about that. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will quiet you with his love. And I think about that. I think about when my son was born a lot of years ago. I would hold him and I would rock him. He loved to rock. And I'd hold him, hold him in my arms and I would sing to him, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. And when I hear that verse, I think that's how God feels about me. You are my sunshine. You make me happy. Because God takes delight in us. Don't ever forget that. When we get busy in the busyness, don't forget the God of the universe wants to be with me. That's huge. His plans and purposes are going to be taken care of, whether I'm obedient or whether I'm not. Right? The obedience is for me, not for him. He wants our obedience, but more than that, he wants our love. Right? So we have to understand Remember who God is. Every day, I wake up and I say, Thank you, Lord, that you are God and I am not. Please don't let me try to do your job today. Don't let me try to be somebody else's Holy Spirit because that creates a whole level of stress for you and them. Right? And how many of us have been there and tried to do that? Right? We desperately need to understand the love of a heavenly, loving Father. Second thing, confession. Man, I, when I stand before God and say, Lord, help me, help me think about what I did today that didn't please you, right? Because that's what sin is. It's missing the mark of pleasing God in that place. Just missing the mark of the standard that he has set for us. Keep your account short with God. Spend some time in confession. It is good for your soul. Be open and vulnerable with him. And when you're open and vulnerable with him, you can be open and vulnerable with other people. Right? Accountability. You need some accountability in your life. Who are you allowing to know the real you? Who can you call, like I call Carmelita, and say, I don't want to talk to people today. I am not up for people in today. I don't know what we're going to do about that because it's going to be an ugly kind of day. There's a whole lot of people. <laughs> right? But there are days when I just don't want a people. But God says, that's not an option. You just keep going. So Carmelita prays for me, reminds me who God is, right? And then we keep going. And why I'm doing it. Why I'm doing it. We also need to think about in that place of confession, who's watching my life? Right? My kids are watching my life. I'm a college professor. Those kids are watching my life. Every move I make, every word I say. 
So if I have stepped out of the place where God wants me to be, I'm quick to confess and to tell them I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm sorry is a full sentence and necessary sometimes, right? And then the third thing is connection. In this world, we now have more knowledge and connection than in all of human history put together. Yet we are more isolated and more angry. I mean, I don't know how many of you have been on the road recently. <laughs> right? I, I live in Florida, and we have some major issues with road rage in Florida that ends sometimes with a gun. People are just angry, and they're angry because the world feels out of control. But when we circle back to that top one and say, remember who's in control, remember who God is, remember that he's sovereign, I don't have to be angry. I have to pray for people because I know that people need Jesus. That's what I know. They need God to be a part of their life. We need to reconnect with God. We need connection on a daily basis with him. We need connection with other believers who are spiritually in that same space we are or, or ahead of us. Who's discipling you? We're a disciple-making organization. I need to be discipled just as I need to disciple. Don't forget that. It's really important. It's an important part of keeping your soul healthy in that place. You need discipleship. You need good friends. You need connection with good friends, right? Remember I said, how long since you had fun? I want everybody to stop right now and write down on your piece of paper, all of you who are taking notes and those of you who aren't, your phone has a note page. <laughs> I want you to write down what fun thing you're going to do this week or next. What fun thing are you going to do this week or next that's going to lift your spirit and help you to be able to get right perspective in that place. Hummel says, have, I have come to realize that I am the indispensable person only until the moment I say no. No is a full sentence. No. Full stop, period, that's enough. You don't have to explain your no. Did you guys know that? <laughs> you are free to just say, no, you do not have to explain your no. How's that for freedom, right? <laughs> that, was, that was very freeing for me when I figured out, I don't, I don't have to explain my no. I can just tell you no, and you don't have to know it's because I just don't want to go. <laughs> right? All of those things are important for us to realize. All right, I'm going to throw back to Carm. All right, so all of that, and then we're going to bring you to some action steps because it's important not only just to hear all of this, but then to do something about it. I am a big application person, so when I talk to my people, I'm like, um, the Bible is not just for us to get, 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 but to also go and do. And John uh, James tells us that, that it's not all about hearing it, it's also about doing it. So we're going to give you some action steps so that you can do. First of all, as Cindy alluded to all of these, so I'm just going to rehash some of them. Uh, Take an honest assessment of where you are at. Um, sit down, look through, and, and go, where am I really at? I work with women. A lot of times women don't want to say the ugly things. We're, like, we're taught in churches, in many churches, that women are kind, they don't get angry, they don't say the mean things, they're just really good women, right? Um, 
I'm not that woman, so I say all <laughs> I say all the things. But uh, um, I, but we need to be able to say I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm hurt, I'm all of these things that might come out, and be honest about them, because just like Miss um, Alice was saying in there, if, if we can't get healthy, we can't let the light of God shine in until we put it out there. So. Be honest about where you really are, and then spend time with God, praying over your calendar. How many of you, Cindy, will appreciate this? Watch Cindy. How many of you still keep a paper calendar? Look at that. I do not. There's still some of them. <laughs> There's still some. Um, I wonder why they're at, at the store when I go to the store because people are. <laughs> um, but if you keep, get your calendar out and pray over the items in your calendar. Um, I, there's a lot of things. People look at my calendar and they're like, why are all those things on there? I'm like, there's a lot of things that I need to do, but there's also time that I build in there so that I can have space with God in the middle of, in the middle of my day. Not, oh, not every day do I get that opportunity, but as many days as I possibly can. I pray over what should be in my calendar, and then I pray over what should not be on my calendar. We have some things in our calendars that do not need to be there. They can be healthily delegate to somebody else who can take care of those things. That was a lesson I had to learn with get going into ministry. I don't have to do all the things. There's other people who are more equipped that God has gifted in much better than I am to be able to do the things that he has. And I just need to say, can you do these and give them all the things they need to be able to do those? I don't need to do it all. And you don't need to do it all. God has placed people around you also that he's equipped to come alongside of you and help you in whatever he's called you to do. So pray over your calendar. See what you need to get off your calendar and what should be over your cal in your calendar. Um, then schedule intentional time alone with God. I will tell you, I said that I felt like I hit this place uh, this year. Um, what I did is I told my boss no. I said I'm going to take the month of July off. It was great. I also uh, teach college with Cindy, and uh, so that's a month where no school's happening. I could take a month off from ministry, and I said I'm going to take a month off. He didn't like it. It was okay. He lived through it. <laughs> um, and I and I took the month off and I but what I did and here's just honesty here what I did is I kept a lot of the groups going that I, I, I met with I meet with a lot of women throughout the week I and it's almost every night but I said oh I can still meet with them but I won't do these other things that are work so then I got COVID <laughs> and you know where I was at in my room under my blankets for a whole week just a week but still I, um, I didn't really plan that time to be what it needed to be in God. God fixed that for me. But we need to have time alone with God. And, and when I say time alone with God, you guys are all thinking, well, I have my time in the morning with God. I have my time in the evening with God. I'm talking an extended amount of time. At least half a day, but I'm saying a day, a week, the weekend, okay? A significant amount of time alone with God and really talk talk to, to him about what you're doing in ministry and is that the place that he still has you to be. Talk to him about what's on your calendar and what should be on your calendar. Talk to him and then listen for him to speak to you about what you're doing and how you're doing it. Be in his word for an extended amount of time. Do those things so that your soul can be grounded in what God has for you to be grounded in and not what you think you need to be doing or what looks good. All of these things that we have that are out there that need to be served in our community, they are good things, but they may not be God's best thing for you. Okay. Um, schedule time for fun with people. 
I went, I just met with my um, husband's family, and my one question that I asked everybody in the family, and they are Christians, they go to church every Sunday, they were raised in a church, in a, in a Christian home, I asked them all, what do you do for fun? Not one of them answered me. Not one of them answered me. They could not tell me what they did for one. Only one of them asked me what I did for fun, and I talked about throwing axes and shooting guns and things like that. But, <laughs> um, and and uh, I don't know if that scared them or what. But, <laughs> um, but schedule fun with other people. I'm a very strong introvert, and I don't think I need mo pe other people most of the time. I'm like, oh, I can be fine by myself and my bed. If you are there, you need other people, and you need to have fun with other people, whatever that looks like. Lots of times my people go, we're going to go and do this thing, and I'm like, I want to say no, I want to say no. But I'm going to say yes because I need to have fun and I need to be with other people. So it's schedule time with other people and go and do fun things. And ask God who should be discipling you. Cindy's talked about that. We are here. We're a disciple-making community. And we're talking about how we are going to disciple other people and how we're going to get other people to be discipling other people. But we need to remember that we need to be discipled also. Um, discipleship. I need to be discipled. So I'm in a group of people and we meet um, with people that are my peers that I can be honest and I can be open with and they know all my flaws and they remind me of all my flaws because they come out often and I am able to be honest with them and they are able to be honest with me so that I can continue to grow in Christ and be Christ-like in all that I do and all that I do. So it's important that we do these things and take these action steps so that our souls can be grounded in Christ and not just adrift. And then eventually we get to that place where we quit. And we quit not only our ministry, but we quit church and we quit God. A um, couple of things, um, like she said, who do you have helping you keep watch over your soul? Who is that person, at least one person that you're going, you can be honest with and say, hey, if I go this way or I go that way, we're going to, we're going to, you're going to come and talk to me about that. And then who do you call when your soul is dressed? That might be the same person. It might be somebody else that helps to guide you back into that place. Okay. So we've got a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll take a couple of questions. What questions do you guys have? Comments? What has, uh, what has led you guys to your faith? How did you come to your faith? I guess I'm asking. How do we what? How, how did you come to your faith? How did we come to our faith? Uh, well, my, my story, I wasn't always church lady, so let's go there. That's, a, that's about as far as I'll go in, in a <laughs> next group of people. But uh, I came to the point where I knew that if I didn't do something different, dead was probably in my in my uh, future, early death, right? And so I, I just said to God, we got we gotta do something different. We gotta get real. And it was, it was a um, a guy, a pastor of a very small, fundamental, independent Baptist church selling M Ms. <laughs> that got me back into church after walking away from Jesus for 15 years, and. Um, God just began to work on me, my faith journey. I wound up on church staff. I said, are, are you absolutely certain you know who you're hiring? Because mm -hmm. I always tell them, if I told you everything, you'd probably have to fire me. So let's do this in the front part of it. But because um, I said, I don't feel like church lady. I worked in the welding supply place and I worked in the uh, Caterpillar dealer. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I just was not the what you picture as church lady, girly girl, right? Mm -hmm. So 
Um, but no, they hired me. They took a chance, and God began to grow me, and I had some steps forward and some steps back. But it wasn't until I figured out this piece mm -hmm. that I understand that my faith is a never-turn-back solid faith. Right? It's a never-turn-back. There's nothing else for me. I, I don't, there's nothing. Right? right? What about you? Um, I grew up, my, I, my, my home was very traumatic. Uh, my, my, I grew up in a, my, I know I saw my mom get baptized as a child, so we didn't, we weren't very church. We knew about God, but we weren't very church. And so my mom grew in her faith, but she didn't know a lot about discipling children. Um, I came to know Christ as my savior at about eight or nine, right? Um, and then just kind of floundered, like did the normal thing that people do when they're grow up at faith. Um, when I got into college, I saw these people living Christ because I went to a Christian school. I saw these people like they read their Bible because they wanted to, not because their parents were making them or they did it at church and they were following Christ in a different way that I understood. But that intimidated me, so I didn't step into that. Um, God has blessed me immensely because um, my husband grew up in a church home, he very fundamental Baptist background, so he knew the Bible very well, and he lived it. And that's what I needed. God blessed me with that because I needed someone like that. And so in the process of doing all of that, God um, gave me a place where I saw that um, I, I hungered and thirsted after him in a different way. And then he gave me a pastor who fed that. Like we went through Daniel and Revelations, like Daniel twice and Revelations like three times. And I asked him the same exact questions every time. And he answered them patiently with like, oh my, not what, oh my goodness, you're asking that question again. Again, he took me through all the things and, and answered them. So he was a teaching pastor who I call him my, um, my Florida dad now. <laughs> and um, he really poured into me that way. And then I came to the church that I'm at now, and that's where God really grew me um, as in, in my faith and my leadership and just gave me a, a ministry and an opportunity to serve him. Cindy asked me like twice. No, it was more important. <laughs> to come she on staff. <laughs> to come on staff. And I told her no several times several. before I said yes. But um, God has placed me where he's placed me, so it's a blessing. Yeah. 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 So that answer question for you. What are some of your preferred, favorite, go-to practices when you're spending that intentional time with God? I always like silence and solitude, but I'm a severe introvert, so I'm like, as soon as I won't get alone, I love that time. I love worship because when I worship, I, I see who God truly is, and then that um, informs me, like, it then really highlights who I'm not, and then it brings me to a place of confession. So I, I really enjoy that part. I start with worship mm -hmm. because that sets my heart in the place where it needs to be mm -hmm. uh, to remind me that God is sovereign and I am not. Mm -hmm. um, but then I love intense study of the word. Yeah. Like I, I study the word like I'm going to write a commentary, mm -hmm. you know, and then I write down all these things. I don't, I don't know what I do with them, but I read commentaries for fun. I'm, I'm that person but just digging into the word and just going deep 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 on mm -hmm. even just a, a single piece. passage mm -hmm. to to just cause my mind to think about God and 
in a way that maybe I have not I've thought, thought about, about before. And so that for me is, is just a, and I can be lost for four or five hours in that place. My husband will come home for lunch and he'll, you're still there in your pajamas? <laughs> yes, dear. Do, do I need to fix your lunch? No, I got it. Do you want me to fix you something? Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> but perhaps I should get out of my pajamas. <laughs> But that's right. that's what brings me joy and and causes me to, to just step into that place of focus with God is that, and it is silence and solitude, just just a place alone. I don't. Once I start into the study of the Word, if I play anything, um, there's a guy named Paul Cardall, C A R D A L L, and he has instrumental uh, worship music, and it just soothes my soul. When I any more questions? When we do the personal assessment, mm -hmm. take honest assessment. So I, I think for me, it always starts with my calendar. Do I have time? Do I have margin in my calendar to be able to fit God in, to fit some of that really intense time in? And if I don't, I need to get back in there because I will fill it up with people. I love being with people, but I like it one-on-one. -on -one. Large crowds of people make, make me nervous sometimes, but one-on-one, -on -one, I will sit all day. And so I, I have been known to go to a restaurant to have breakfast with a lady, and I will still be at the same restaurant at lunch for the next lady who comes in and could possibly be there for afternoon coffee for the third lady who comes in that we're going to just sit and talk with. So, so I just have to make sure that I, I look at my calendar first. But then the other piece I look at is um, I color code my calendar. Another reason for writing in a paper calendar, it, it connects differently in your brain. And I have a special color for personal. And if I open my calendar, another reason yeah. for a paper calendar. I can do, I can do, you paper can do the same thing on electric. I it's okay. Cannot. <laughs> I cannot. But if I open my calendar and there is only one or two in that color for the month, I know that I'm out of I'm out of balance and I need to figure something else out. Ministry's great, but if there's not time for the other things in my life, in my personal life, then I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get where I'm resenting ministry, and I don't want to get there. I have to check my attitude, Alice. Like my attitude gets out of whack really quickly, <laughs> so I need to check my attitude with God a lot. All right, one more. Um, as a leader, like you're, especially on Sundays, you're running around like you're with a chicken with his head cut off. You know, like I. Feel like people think that I'm unapproachable sometimes mm -hmm. just because I'm so busy, mm -hmm. so focused on making sure everything else you know goes goes right, you know, because you're in charge. But like, like, how do you handle those people that <laughs> <laughs> the people are yourself? Who do you, the other people that think okay, that you're unapproachable? Okay, so I am. I'm a very task-oriented person, so I understand where you're coming from. And when I'm on a task, if you interrupt me, you're getting in the way of my thing that I need to do. And that comes off as unapproachable to other people. And it is unapproachable. <laughs> I was there. So what I did is hide her assistance. She takes care of all the all the things that I because I, I'm not good about twitching between tasks and people. So I ha I have somebody who takes care of all the tasks. And then I have set my mind that my task is to deal with the people. And it's a shift in mindset. I also am task oriented. So 
I, that's my natural go-to. However, I had to be intentional to know that as God moved me into this position in ministry, right. I could no longer be just focused on the task. Yes. I had to be first focused on the people and then to go from there. Yeah. It's a tough thing. It is. Yeah. We give them a hand. Thank you so much for listening. I gotta say, earlier today we were doing our staff meeting at church and uh, we were reading through a passage from Ephesians. And one of the things that we pulled from the text was the need to be refreshed, the need for us to continually put ourselves, whether it's daily, weekly goals that we have, or monthly goals and yearly, setting times for us to be in the Lord's presence with no agenda. Um, where we're just letting the Holy Spirit minister to us and refresh us and fill us back up. As we're pouring ourselves out and discipling people, or whether we're working our regular jobs or working at church jobs, man, we're going to get exhausted. And throw on top of that, you know, you have little kids at home and you're trying to serve your wife and lead your spouse. It's a lot. And one of the things that gets put on the back burner is taking care of our, our souls. So I really, really, really appreciated today's episode. It meant a lot to me. And, you know, when something like that happens, where I feel like the same theme comes up multiple times during the day, that's when I start thinking, I think God's trying to tell me something. So I'm going to hit stop and I'm going to go pray and I'm going to rest and allow the Holy Spirit to refresh me. I hope you do the same. All right, y'all be blessed. Hope to catch you on the next episode. We got another Bonhoeffer Project episode coming up next. Y'all enjoy the rest of your day. 